Hi, I'm Mary Lyons, the Wealth Woman. And I'm Eric Alexander with Acorn Grove. Welcome to the Wealth and Income Podcast. I'm still getting used to that. So thank you guys for hanging with us as we're uh, making the transition in name. Uh, Okay, so today we are going to talk about a Wall Street Journal article that came out, uh, which is really just them reporting on a report that came out from Morningstar. The article is titled, The 4% Rule for Retirement is Back. And I'm going to tell you, Eric found this article and sent it to me this morning. And uh, it was not a great way to start my Monday because I threw up in my mouth a little bit. Yeah. And we were both a little spicy when we were reading through it. (laughs) But you guys have seen us get spicy before. So hopefully you like that (laughs) and you'll stick with us for the rest of this ride. So Eric, why don't we just jump right into this article and, um, you know, talk about why we had such intense responses to this. Yeah, well, the, and and I'll start with the very the very first line, sort of the the subtitle here, is higher interest rates make it a bit safer to spend more money in retirement, which just drives me nuts. Um, yeah, you were pretty cheesed when we were talking about this because you're like, I mean, this has been all of five minutes that we have higher interest rates. Well, and and it's funny because we've had this conversation with clients. They're like, you know, what we should do is scrap everything we're doing. And dump everything into a CD because I can get four, four and a half percent, five percent, whatever the number is. And I'm like, yeah, but you know that's only been around for like five minutes. But for the past 15 years, it's been 0.01 percent rate of return in any of these vehicles. Like, so I think are. I think actually maybe doing a little bit of level setting here would be important sure. just in case someone is joining us for the first time today. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest problems that we have with conventional financial advice or education is that it seems to be stick your money here because it works right now at this moment and hopefully everything, everything will work out. But if it doesn't, that's okay because you didn't read the fine print and we aren't liable. And that drives me bonkers because it's sort of a, well, I hope it works for you, but if it doesn't, we did our best kind of mentality. We're just bookies. Yeah. And, um, and that drives me bonkers. Whereas economics-based financial advice is really about taking the resources that you have and optimizing them so that you get the most income in as many possible scenarios as you can. And, and if I say that differently, right, we want a strategy that is going to work no matter what happens economically or politically right. or geopolitically, I can keep going. Right. Well, and that's and that's the thing of it that drives me nuts is it feels lazy to go. It is All right, lazy. Here, A plus B equals C. And we just pat you on the rear end and say, go get him, Tiger. And this is your plan. And it's like, well, but we're going to use a lot of really, really complicated words and jargon and fancy everything up. So you think you're dependent on us for this type of planning. Right. But it's, but there's no thought into it. And, and the only way you win in most of those plans is if everything works out perfectly. I just have a question for you, Eric, has everything in your life worked out perfectly for you? Today? No. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even just today. Just today. Right. But, but I think, and I don't know if it's hubris or we don't know any better, but th- I think when we look out into the future, we have this, this sense that it's all going to be linear and smooth, but it doesn't take this sort of great, you know, miraculous um, sense of 
of what's going on and, and a crystal ball to look backwards in our lives over the last 5, 10, 15, 30 years, whatever the number is, and go, you know what? I, I wouldn't have planned this or I wouldn't have picked this or I wouldn't have guessed this. But going forward, though, everything will be smooth. And I'm going to get it all right. Right. So ah. that, that's the thing that drives me crazy. Optimism, stupidity. I'm not sure. I'm not passing any judgments today, <laughs> except on this article. Except I am passing that. judgments on this article. So, so jump into some of this because I, I think there's some good fodder here. And, yeah, and I, I'm just going to start with the first, the first official sentence here. Yeah. Uh, for those wondering if now is a good time to retire, here's some encouraging news: the four percent rule is back. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean. I think we have to start with is 4% really that exciting? No, I like because what that means is if you've saved a million dollars into your portfolio, congratulations, that's a lot of money. That's seven digits. But that means at 4%, your income from that retirement portfolio is only 40 grand. And I don't know any families that earn 40 grand right now that have saved a million dollars. Right. By the time they get to retirement. Right. And this article goes on too to say, thanks to higher interest rates and bond yields, it is likely safe for new retirees to spend 4% of their nest eggs in the first year of retirement and then adjust that amount for inflation in subsequent years, according to a new analysis from Morningstar, which was released Monday. So, you know, I, I think that this in and of itself, that's saying you can start at 4% and you can adjust for inflation. That is the conclusion of the study that was released. Right. And, you know, but again, it's, it's likely safe. Th those words to me, it, it's not saying it is safe. It's saying it's likely safe. And we're going to spend more time on that lingo here in just a second, but it goes on to say that 4% had long been the gospel of retirement math. Retirees in recent years were warned that starting at that spending rate raised the risk of running out of money. And the article itself doesn't actually say how much it has raised the risk. So it just goes on to say that the recommended initial withdrawal can rise and fall with projections of future market conditions and inflation. So right. it's saying if you're retiring while the market is doing really well, you can spend a lot. But if the market's not doing well, you can't. And the thing that is impossible from a planning perspective is which one are you going to get? Well, and I can see where I am now. But it's really hard for me to see where I'm going to be next year or the year after that or the year after that. And we had this conversation, I think, last week, two weeks ago, whenever it was. But if you look at what the market's doing right now, the equity market, the stock market, in mm -hmm. the S&P 500, the top seven companies are producing something like 90% of the returns. So if I just take a running shot at what's going on in the market and I just pull up the S&P 500 performance and it's 8, 10, 12, whatever it is right now. I'm thinking, okay, well, this is not a bad year, but that doesn't explain anything about what's right under the hood, right under the surface about what's going on. And when 90% of the returns in the market are driven by one to one and a half percent of the companies, that's not a stable economy. Yeah, I think the last time you were talking about this data, it was like a point or a point and a half of the total return was created by 493 companies. Right. And yeah. so that says the overall economy as a whole is not actually that healthy. It's the AI stocks that are really driving everything. And right. so that that to me uh, is a little bit of cause for trepidation 
I think is the right of this. And, you know, the, the point of this article is that as interest rates go up, it becomes safer to spend more. But I think we need to dig a, dip, a little bit deeper here, too, because as, as recently as two years ago, Morningstar said that the safe spending rate was about 3.3. Right. And you guys know, if you've been following us for any amount of time, that we actually suggest about 3%. Um, and it, you know, it, this particular paragraph is crazy to me because it says, two years ago, Morningstar recommended starting retirement by spending 3.3% of savings. The advice proved prescient since inflation in June of 2022 recorded a 12-month increase of 9.1%, while stocks fell nearly 20% that year. Last year, the safe withdrawal rate inched up to 3.8. So here's the thing, though. Depending on what actually happened in your portfolio in 2022, if you right. lost a bunch of money, 3.8% of what? And, I, and we're going to get into that here in a minute right. because the article touches on that without actually drawing the conclusions that we think are appropriate. So. Right. <gasps> yeah, because it's a percentage of what amount? If it's a percentage of a million, is it of less than a million, more than a million? I mean, if you lost 20% and then you take another 3.3 to 3.8 out of that, I mean, you're you're pulling money out where the market's already down. So you're making it worse. Right. Which is driving me nuts. So, and it's relatively good news. And, and I see your, every time I read through this article, because this is the third or fourth time now, I just hear your dad in the back of my in the back of my brain and, you know, chapping at me in the back of it going, these are all weasel words. These are all weasel words. Cause they use <laughs> words like likely and relatively good news. It's like, man, somebody's hedging hard. Right. Uh, but it's relatively good news says John Burr. I'm not going to even try that one. Director of research <laughs> at Morningstar stock and bond valuations are lower and there's more cushion for investment for investors. Like the, the bottom, the bottom of the market is now is his theory. So it's good news to get back in because now it should go up, I'm assuming is his point. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, the market's at the bottom, but there's more cushion. So, okay, that's cool. Uh, you know, I mean, again, they're not, these are not strong indicators. And I do think this is one of the things that is very difficult about this industry is that nobody wants to say anything that could get them sued. And so- sure especially if they're licensed advisors or they're turning out research that's supposed to be conclusive. And this is one of the areas that I think is really key. There's a difference between advice and education. And I want to be very clear right now that we are not giving anybody advice because we right. have not looked at your particular portfolios. So what we are doing is providing an education based on the contents of an article and a report, which most of you probably haven't read, although perhaps a few of our followers have. So Morningstar, this is to go on and quote the article, Morningstar runs a thousand simulations of future market conditions to find the spending rate that allows retirees to maintain a steady annual income adjusted for inflation without running out of money in 90% of those scenarios. So on first pass, if we're not reading critically, we're like, oh, 90%, that seems pretty good, right? Like, it's really easy to think, oh, if I go to Vegas and I win 90% of all the bets I make, I'm going to come out pretty darn well. But the fact of the matter is, if we start getting really serious about the consequences, 90% is not great. Because if you think right. about like the entire airline industry, that means 90% 
That means one out of 10 possible market scenarios lead to you going broke in your retirement. Think about it like an airline. If one out of every 10 airplanes crashed and burned and everybody on it died, are we saying, oh, that's exciting news. Right. That's really good. I, I'd like to take an airplane today. Where would you like to go? Right. This is this drives me crazy. And I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. I was interviewing a young woman to come and see if she wanted to work at Benchmark Income Group, which is the firm that we have that actually gives advice and works directly with clients. And I remember asking her how she felt about a 10% failure rate. She's like, that's pretty good. I feel really good about it. And I just looked at her. I was like, how many clients do you have? She said, I have about 100 clients. I said, cool. Are they in your phone? She looks at me and she's like, yes. And so she's starting to get a little nervous. And I said, okay, do you mind if I just call 10 of your clients at random and let them know they're going broke in retirement? And she was so angry. She was like, that's offensive. And I'm like, what's offensive is that you think that's okay. Right. I am spicy today. Good Lord, what's happening. I well, am like full of intensity and fire. But it's but it's double, right? And that's the part of the article that that they don't really connect the dots. A, it was 3.3%, which is miserable, but we're really, really excited because we've inched on up to four. And you is, only die one out of 10 times, y'all. And, and at a really, really horrible retirement, you've managed to claw and save a million dollars. Congratulations, you've got a raise from 33K on up to 38% or 3.8%, so 38K. But we've got a whopping $2,000 raise this year up to 40. And oh, by the way, you've only got about a 90% chance that you're going to make it. 10% of you are going to crash and fail with that incredibly low number. But aren't we excited about it? Because we've gone from 3.3 to four and we're, we're just thrilled to death. Man, we're crushing it. Our industry is really good at uh, spending time patting ourselves on the back for doing absolutely nothing. Uh, all right, we're going to keep going. The 4% spending rule emerged as the wealth management industry's standard advice for retirees in the 1990s after research showed that the starting at the rate at that rate would have protected retirees from running out of money in every 30-year period since 1926, even when economic conditions were at their worst. So again... This goes to like smaller data sets, because if you add in the market correction after the tech bubble burst in 2001, after 9-11, right. and you add in the 2007 to 2009 market drop of over 55%, if you were in the S&P 500, and then you add in the past 15 years of low interest rate environments, uh, there's a reason that they said, okay, the safe withdrawal rates are lower than 4%. And so right. if we just want to pretend like the past, I don't know, 25 years haven't happened, then we can go back to the way things were before and that should be fine. But I don't, I don't understand why you would disregard data sets just because you don't like it. Right. Well, they're really inconvenient, but again, We've gone from four to three, which is a huge drop. It's 25%. So I get that part of it, but it's still not exciting. Nobody's excited about four. So why, why the 4% rule works? So the, the other part of the article, which, which I sort of loved on this, is using the method, someone who retires today with a $1 million portfolio with 40% in stocks and 60% in bonds, would spend no more than $40,000 in 2024 from that portfolio. 
And assuming inflation rises 3% the next year, the investor would give himself a raise to $41,200 in 2025. So they're explaining how to do 4% math. And the report examines the outlook for those who retired in 2022 amid simultaneous declines in stocks and bonds and high inflation, a combination that is especially challenging for new retirees. But the article suggests that we're done with that. And I don't think we are. I know that a lot of people are just listening to this and not watching it on YouTube or watching it on Apple podcasts or wherever they watch. But uh, if you were watching it, what you would see right now is something that can only be described as RBF. I can't, I can't smile at this. I mean, it's not, none of this is actually good news for anyone. It's basically just rearranging deck chairs on a sinking ship. You know, it, yeah. it's, we're putting a bandaid on someone who's bleeding out is, is what's happening here. And it drives me crazy that this is what people get, right? So um, Eric, will you scroll just a little bit here? So somebody who retired with a million dollars and a balanced portfolio at the end of 2021 and took the recommended 3.3% inflation adjusted withdrawal in 2022 this year would have about $825,000 in their portfolio despite the stock market's rise this year, according to Morningstar, who put out this report. Right. And then it goes to say, so so for starters, if you retired with a million dollars three years ago, and now that's what's in your account, most of the people I know would be panicking. The conversations that we would be having would not be particularly pleasant. If the investor, so the article goes on to say, if the investor continues withdrawing the same inflation adjusted amount in future years, the odds of running out of money by the end of a 30-year retirement are now above 50%. So if you started your withdrawal with a 3.3 distribution, your odds of running out of money during your retirement are 50%, but it's okay. You can safely begin to spend four, but that's not actually what this article says. It says that those who are already retired should stick with your original recommended withdrawal amount that you began retirement with rather than switch to a 4% withdrawal. Right. But what they don't understand is that they've already switched to a, to the 4% withdrawal. Because we've added in inflationary increases well, and the value of the portfolio is less. Yeah. Well, and if I if I just do the rough math, right? If I took out, if I have a million dollars and pulled out 3.3%, that's 33K. But if the portfolio is now worth 825, you lost somewhere in the neighborhood of 150, give or take, $1,000 in your portfolio that year. Right on top of the money that you spend. And so if you keep pulling the same amount, same $33,000, you're pulling that against 825, not a million, you're at 4%. Whether you want to be or not, you're now at 4%. Because nobody's taking the pay cut. that's before the inflation. Right, yeah, that's before inflation because nobody's taking a pay cut. Like that's not human nature. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the part of it that, that drives me crazy is we we've divorced human behavior from math. And as one of my favorite people in the whole universe used to say all the time, if money were math, we'd all be millionaires. Right. Right. But that's not how life works. And so the idea of just saying, look, well, 
your portfolio is now at eight and a quarter. You need to start pulling 3.3% because the market's down. Nobody, as Don Blanton would say, a friend of ours, nobody's hurrying to that weapon. Like nobody's hurrying to go, yep, I'm lowering my lifestyle. This is what we're going to go do. We don't do that. We tend to spend more, not less. Well, and the thing that I think is crazy is that people frequently tell us, well, I'll just reduce what I'm spending. But if you ask them to reduce what they're spending right now so that they can save more money for the future, they tell you they can't. Right. So we 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 as humans like to lie to ourselves about how we're going to behave or what we're going to do. And the fact of the matter is, even if you can, that doesn't mean you want to. Yes. I don't. I mean, that's exactly what you just said. Nobody, Nobody's hurrying to that whipping. I've never heard that before, but okay. Uh, but the, the thing that I think we have to really think about here is this. If you keep using the same mindset that got you into the problem in the first place, that problem is going to continue to be a problem. And I always right. butcher this quote, but it was Albert Einstein who said, you cannot solve a problem with the same thinking that no. got you into it. You have to start thinking differently. And the thing that drives me bonkers is that there's this weird sort of us against them mentality that occurs between the investment industry and the insurance industry. And the reality is if they would just work together, they can do amazing things, amazing things, because right. we're all over here chasing rate of return, thinking about how we're going to build our portfolio only to have this pile of money that we can't really enjoy. That's incredibly inefficient. And we're arguing over margins of less than 1% when we could be designing distribution strategies right. that change the overall experience and that might actually safely increase what we can spend every year by somewhere between 30 and 70%. And we can do that without taking any more risk, without chasing rates of return, but simply by becoming more efficient and using a different thought process for distribution. Right. And what drives me crazy about this article and, and the whole rest of it, and I'm not going to bore you with the whole rest of it, but is they're just playing around in the margins. Well, now that interest rates are up, now that bonds are better, now that blah, blah, blah. But it's all just the same set of tools. They're not thinking strategically any different. It's right. just, hey, now we've found this five minutes. It's been five minutes long. That we've been in this interest rate environment. Now that it's here, the mindset is it will continue to be here. Nothing's ever going to change because nothing that ever has. Oh, except for 12 months ago when it completely changed. But never forget about that. And then we're just going to take this as the new normal and drive on. But the thing that we keep talking about, especially with clients, is you can't think about life expectancy, you have to think about life potential, which means you could be in retirement as long or longer than you were planning for retirement. And if right. that doesn't scare the hell out of you, then you're not paying attention. Because so, it, that means you could be in retirement for 30 or more years. I'm not going to bank 30 more years of my life on what happened five minutes ago and say, well, that'll continue forever. Or even over the last 30 years, right? I mean, people are always like, well, historically, this has happened. And I'm like, Everything that you read on every publication says not a promise of future performance. So when I think about the important thing that you can do here and really the underlying like thought process behind economics-based 
uh, financial planning, it's about maximizing your resources and right. making sure that you have multiple contingencies. And so this has been sort of, to me, uh, one of the more doom and gloom kind of uh, podcasts that we've had in a while. But I want to make sure that we end on a positive note because this information is really depressing. Even if the 4% rule is back, which I'm going to argue, I'm not ready to accept that given the recent historic events that we have had. But even if it is, that still doesn't fix the problem that most people have. And it trains us to think in terms of like, I'm going to work to build my portfolio and somebody in the world of investments is going to continue to get paid for managing it. But I don't actually really ever get a chance to enjoy everything I work so hard to build. So I'm going to paint a picture really quick. If you can change the way you think about distribution and you fund a cash value whole life insurance policy, then you have the ability, if it is funded correctly so that it has massive cash accumulation, then what you can do is you can actually safely, using the same type of Monte Carlo simulations that Morningstar has done to run these predictions, you can safely increase what you were withdrawing because you have the ability to stop making withdrawals when the market is down, not to predict it, but to respond to it. And that allows your portfolio to have an uninterrupted recovery because you have an alternate source of income that provides some tax efficiencies. And it has to be whole life and insurance because of the guarantees and the tax treatment. So people tell me all the time, well, can I just create a buffer with cash? Sure. Right now, that sounds really appealing because interest rates are where they are. But if you look right. at the past 15 years, your cash would have done nothing for you. And the amount of cash you would have to have sitting on the sidelines is astronomical. And I don't know anyone with the self-discipline to leave roughly eight years of cash sitting on the sidelines through any kind of decent market run. Right. Yeah, Human behavior gets that. the best of us every time. So you need something that is going to perform in all interest rate environments, even if it's a conservative performance, because it's meant to be guaranteed and it's meant to act as a buffer, not as the primary source of income. Yeah. And it, and it reminds me, and you, you said something a few minutes ago that I think is, is really important. Traditional financial planning versus economics-based financial planning and, and the stark difference between those two is in the traditional model, it has to work out in a very narrow set of circumstances. And that and that idea that it has always worked that way, therefore it always will, is a is a false assumption. And and as we're entering the holiday season of Thanksgiving coming up, it reminds me of a, of a story that I think it was Nicholas Talib uh, talked about years ago. And he says, you know, if you think about what's going on, for years, months and months and years, the turkey thought that farmer loved him and cared for him and wanted nothing but his best interest. And all the way up until November 22nd, everything was great. Everything was rosy until right before Thanksgiving Day, and then it it didn't end so well. And so when I think about sort of heading into retirement, it's like, I can't have this. Everything is great. Everything is rosy. I have to plan for what happens if I'm the bad turkey this year? What happens if I'm the turkey that's that it doesn't end so well for? And how do I win in that environment? Uh, and if it turns out well, and it turns out I'm not the favored turkey or the unfavored turkey in that story, then great. How, how wonderful is that for you? And life is just better. But I got a plan for all the situations because I don't want to be the 10%. And that 90-10 story, I don't want to be the one of the 10 that it doesn't work out for. 
Right. I got a family to think about. I got grandkids to think about. I got everything else I'm trying to go do. And here's the thing that I think is so key, right? Is that we've run so many different scenarios for different individuals where we have actually shown them that planning for those contingencies increases their safe distribution rates to somewhere between seven and even 13%, sometimes even with guarantees. And the thing about it is that if we believe that that's possible, then we are going to look for solutions that allow it, or we can read articles like this and think that's the only solution. And then as I like to tell my children, actually, I don't really tell them this. Maybe it's a Daniel Tiger thing. You get what you get and you don't throw a fit. But if you say it in the Texas accent, it's you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. So it actually rhymes. Uh, but you know, the, the reality is we get to make choices that make our lives better. And if planning for the contingencies gives me more income when the market does well, there's not a downside to planning for the contingencies because my plan works out better in the majority of situations. Yeah. Amen. Where can they find you, Mary? Oh, at the wealth woman, wherever you social media. Yeah. And you can find me at economics with Eric, wherever you social media. There's a question mark at the I end. So. I'm Ron Burgundy. So you guys have a great day. Bye. Specific financial concepts and advanced strategies are presented to you for educational purposes only. We cannot and do not guarantee their applicability to your individual circumstance. We encourage you to seek personalized advice from qualified professionals on all financial matters. Provided content is for overview and is not intended and should not be relied upon as individualized tax, legal, fiduciary, or investment advice. Neither Wealth Woman, Acorn Grove, or the Wealth and Income Podcast, nor their representatives provide tax or legal advice. For answers to specific questions and before making any decision, please consult a qualified attorney or tax advisors. All numeric examples and any individual shown are hypothetical and were used for explanatory purposes only. Actual results may vary. Investing involves risk, which includes potential loss of principal. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. Life insurance should be purchased by individuals that have a need to provide a death benefit to protect others with insurable interests in their lives against financial loss. Life insurance is not a retirement plan, investment, or savings account. Not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or any governmental agency. Insurance and investment products not a deposit, not FDIC or NCUA insured, not insured by any federal government agency, not guaranteed by any bank or credit union, may lose value. Please visit the Wealth Woman website disclosure page for other important disclosures.